This weekend, we are beginning a brand new series. We just read from the book of 1 Thessalonians, and we'll dive into chapter 1 together in just a moment. We're calling the series Thriving. And the, the Thessalonians, as we're going to see, lived a life of faith that thrived. The kind of life that, that I want, the kind of life that we want our chapel people to experience. And the book of uh, Thessalonians, Paul writes it. It's to this a group of believers that was begun by his ministry in this city called Thessalonica or Thessaloniki. Uh, and uh, it's on the, located on the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, in the Gospel of Luke, and then Luke who also wrote the book of Acts, the book of Acts records Paul's missionary journeys. And Paul was on this journey with a few of his friends, and they made their way all the way over into Thessalonica, which was in Macedonia, um, a very, very prominent port city that would become the, the kind of the capital of Macedonia. And uh, Paul went there, went to the synagogue immediately, began sharing with some Jewish people and then some other uh, non-Jewish people, Greek-speaking people, about who Jesus was as the Messiah. And many people turned to faith in him. The book of Acts records what happened. It says, as, as was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service. And for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures, it says, to reason with the people. He was centered on sharing God's word. And he sa it says he explained the prophecies and he proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus that I'm telling you about is the Messiah. And it says, some of the Jews who listened were persuaded, and they joined Paul and Silas, along with many other God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. And as a result of Paul sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus in Thessalonica, a church was birthed, and, and he helped shape their faith and helped them grow in those initial steps of faith and the, the book of Thessalonians is really a letter that Paul writes back to the Thessalonians to connect with them, to reconnect with them, to encourage them, and to challenge them. In fact, the, the book of 1 Thessalonians, we believe, is probably Paul's first letter that he wrote, probably around 50 AD, perhaps the or one of the very first books that we have included in our New Testaments. And so we want to go there, and over the next seven weeks, we're going to look at some helpful lessons that Paul shared with the Thessalonians. We're going to look at topics like pleasing God, not people. Uh, we're going to look at topics like standing firm in the faith in the midst of adversity. We'll see a little bit of that even today in today's uh, text, and uh, discovering God's will for our lives, and we'll look at a little bit on the end times as well from Thessalonians. And so some incredible lessons that we're going to be able to learn that first were shared with the Thessalonians, all right? Now, before we dive into chapter one, uh, I want to set the stage a little bit, and I want to introduce you to somebody that's been a longtime friend of our family. In fact, um, Isaac was uh, best buddies with our son, Carter, all through elementary school. They lived just down the street from us. And this is Isaac Bunce. Isaac, he's a, he's a starting running back for the Perkins Pirates, and they did really well this, this year. And uh, 
Ran for over 1,800 yards, 29 touchdowns. I remember when Isaac was this little bitty guy, and now, I mean, I don't know, his quads are wider than me. I don't know. He's just, he's just, he's just strong, hardworking. And uh, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Eric invited Isaac to come and to talk to a group of third through fifth grade boys. They had a Bible and ball night. And they, they cleared all the, the, the chairs out of the, out of the worship center, and I mean, they, they played dodgeball. I mean, they were whipping those balls around at each other, like in the most Christian way, but you know, like, I'm going to nail you. Yeah. And they, they, they sweat, and they, they, they had fun, and they laughed, and, and they ate. But the best part of the night was when they shifted from the worship center into the student center, and they sat around the horn there together. And Pastor Eric interviewed Isaac. And you have to understand, to these th- third through fifth grade boys, Isaac Bunt, I mean, they wanted his autograph because they knew about his success on the field as a football player. And what was awesome was, and, and trust me, I know Isaac, and he's, he's a quiet kid. He's introverted. And yet he knew that he had been given a platform not just to talk about football, but to talk about his faith. And those third through fifth grade boys, their eyes were glued. Their ears were open. And their hearts were touched. Because what they heard from Isaac was not just his stats, but his faith journey, both on the field and off the field. In fact, one of the things that stuck out to so many of the boys when they heard that, that Isaac... He avoids cussing. They're like, nobody does that. Like, they're all, they're, they're kind of all living in that space where, you know, out on the playground or on the field, they're facing all those things. And do I say this? Do I act this way? And to see somebody like Isaac that's trying to avoid some of those things in honor, in, in order to honor Jesus with his life, it made a profound impact. If I were to use two words to describe Isaac, it'd be role model. And don't we all need role models in our lives, and especially for young people, right? And when Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he writes to them with similar language, looking at them, pointing out that the Thessalonians had become role models, all right? So 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in uh, verse 7 is where we want to kind of land. It says, as a result, you have become an example, a role model. You have become an example to all of the believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. And now it says, the word of the Lord is ringing out from you. We're going to come back to that phrase in just a moment. Ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, Paul says, we find people telling us about your faith in God. Paul was traveling all over the known world at the time. And he says, in my travels, after I left there, the word about you and your faith, it continues to spread. And you have become examples. You have become role models. Now, that that phrase, ringing out, comes from a Greek word. And the Greek word is exekeo. And I won't ask you to try to pronounce it because I had to practice it for myself. But it sounds a lot like you could probably kind of catch the word in there 
echo. In fact, John Stott says this word can be translated as either a sound or a boom. It can be likened, he says, to a loud trumpet or a thunderclap. And when Paul, it's the only time that this word is used in the entire New Testament. And here, Paul uses it as he's describing the Thessalonians and their faith, their model, their example. He says, and as a result, there is an echo of impact in the entire region because of your faith. And the amazing thing is, their faith continued to echo and make impact. Paul says, you receive this message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of severe suffering that it brought you. He says, and in this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. Paul had been through much suffering for his faith. Jesus, our Savior, he suffered for the faith. And Paul says, even though you Thessalonians suffered, you continued to keep the faith. You are examples. And it's echoing. It's echoing. (laughs) Isn't it interesting that you know, usually when, when we start to feel kind of hampered down or we feel kind of attacked or maybe we feel persecuted, it's easy for us to just kind of shut down, isn't it? Just keep quiet. Let's not, let's not shake things up. Let's not cause problems. Let's not cause issues, right? And yet we live in a world where like on social media, people just share everything, don't they? I mean, everything, like too much, like too much information, right? And yet, As followers of Christ, maybe we're sharing all kinds of the details of our lives, what we ate yesterday, how we've been feeling, what our kids said, what our boss did, what that coworker, uh, how how they've been acting out and how that ticks us off. And then we we share political things, right? And yet when it comes to our faith, sometimes people kind of approach faith like, well, it's very, you know, it's, it's private. And, you know, if you were to say that to the Thessalonians, they wouldn't, I mean, nothing about that would ever compute. I heard somebody say once, and they put it this way, they said, our faith may be very personal, but it was never meant to be private. The Thessalonians, they were living their faith, and they were living their faith out loud, and it was creating an impact. And this is what what Jesus is calling you and I to as well. So in the rest of our time together, I want us to look a little further in the text, and I want us to discover three reasons why the Thessalonians were such examples of faith. All right, we read this earlier. Let's highlight it again. It says, this letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Those were his travel companions. They were serving together. We are writing to the church at Thessalonica, to you who belong to God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God give you grace and peace. Oftentimes, Paul would begin his letters this way. He would address the audience. He would pray a blessing of God's grace and peace over them. And then verse 2, he says, We always thank God for all of you, and we pray for you constantly. And as he's praying for the Thessalonians, this is what comes to mind. Verse 3, he says, We pray to God our Father about you, and we think, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope that you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Three things stick out to the Apostle Paul about the Thessalonians that made them incredible examples 
of faith. And those three things are faith, love, and hope. Those sound familiar, don't they? Probably you, 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 you've heard them recently at a wedding and somebody was reading the, the infamous love chapter, also written by the Apostle Paul, but to the, the, the church at Corinth. And he says, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. But all three of them are incredibly important marks of Christian faith. Paul uses these three words in a few of his letters Other writers use these same words to describe people of real faith, faith, love, and hope. I love the way that, again, John Stott puts it. He says, together, these three, faith, hope, and love, they reorient our lives, he says, as we find ourselves being drawn upwards towards God in faith, outwards towards others in love, and onward towards hope. In the future, upwards, outward, and onward. Real faith being lived out. And so let's look at each one of those just for a few moments to see how the Thessalonians lived that out and see what that might look like in your life and in my life. Remember, Paul says, we pray to God and we think about, we think about your faith, your faithful work, a faith that does work. And we know that the object of their faith was Jesus, the Savior and the Messiah. We know that from from verse 9. It says, uh, for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome that you gave us and how you, and he's speaking about the Thessalonians, how you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. Paul says, man, when I, when I came into Thessalonica, I, 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 I saw the radical life change in you. And people have observed this radical life change. You used to worship false idols that were empty and led to an empty way of life. And yet you, he says, you turned from them. You repented and went the other direction. You turned to serve the living God, to, to not just believe in that God, but then to put your faith in God in action, in service. And this is what's so remarkable and so important and should not surprise us is that their faith led to action. The, the object of their faith determined the outcome or the, or the output of that faith. And that's what he writes about next. And, and, and James, James, he kind of highlights this. He says, what good is your faith if it doesn't lead to action, right? Real faith does act. Real faith does move. Real faith is lived out in real tangible ways. And that's why Paul, as he's writing to the Thessalonians, and he says, I'm praying for you, and when I pray about you, this is what I think about, and I think about your faithful what? Your faithful work and your loving deeds, this is, you know, it's one thing to say that we believe in Jesus. It's another thing for people to see that we believe in Jesus. And, you know, we live in a world where the, the church is, pretty, is judged pretty harshly and sometimes fairly, unfortunately. 
the, the world looks at Christ followers and they see us raising our hands or, you know, opening our Bible on Sunday or maybe even in the office or at our school, you know. But then, you know, when we're, when we're on the field, we, we live a different life. And, and so we're looked at as hypocrites because we're not living our faith out on a daily basis. I'm not saying in a perfect way. None of us are perfect. But, but is the world seeing our faith live, lived out in loving deeds towards others, in, in how we treat everyday people in our everyday life. And this is what stuck out about the Thessalonians. This is what, well, it created an echo, right? I want to introduce you to um, some friends of Lisa and mine. This is Paul and Jill Van Opstel. Uh, Paul and Jill, uh, we, we've known them for probably over 25, maybe almost 30 years uh, Jill grew up at the church that I first served at. And uh, Paul and Jill had met, fell in love. They were on a, a short-term mission trip with a youth with a mission to Brazil. And while they were in Brazil, they observed the depth of the poverty in some of the, some of the cities. And they saw all these orphan kids that had nobody to take care of them. And as a result, as they were on this mission, when they got ready to come home, they both looked at each other and they felt a calling on their hearts. And they said, somebody's got to go help these kids. And so they flew home, they packed up their things, and without, without any connections in Brazil, without any training in the Portuguese language, they just up and moved. They put their faith in what they felt like God was calling them to do. They put it into action. And they started to build relationships. And, and Paul is from Holland, and he speaks Dutch. And so they moved to this little uh, Dutch colony in Brazil called Halumbra, right, out of a, right outside of a major city called Jaguaruna, where they saw all these street kids in all this need, and they began developing relationships and, and within only months, Paul was speaking Portuguese fluently. It was like God just, just gifted him. It's because they were obedient. It was because they were willing to not just say they believed, but they were willing to live out that belief in loving deeds. And they, they, they opened a, a, a home for boys called Lar Feliz, which means happy home. And after a few years, they opened up a girl's home where more girls came. It's the first place that I ever went on a short-term mission trip and took a group of high school students. And some of those high schoolers, their lives have been marked by that experience. One girl, I remember one of our high schoolers, I literally had to pull her away to get her into the van because she wanted to stay. She didn't want to leave. Life-changing. The work that has been accomplished because two people, they saw a need, and because of their faith and out of love, they said, we have to do something. That's what real faith does. It, it doesn't mean that you have to move to Brazil or, or to India or to Bruni, although if God lays it on your heart, then, then do what he calls you to do. But every single one of us in this room, God has given you a mission field. God has given you a sphere of influence in your family, in your neighborhood, with your friendships, 
in your workplace, at your school. And the question is not, do they know that I go to church on Sunday or that I believe in God? The question is, do they see my faith in God? You see, faith and love together create an echo of impact. And that's what was happening in the lives of the Thessalonians. They lived out their faith. Can you imagine what, it would, what, would, what would happen in our community of Port Clinton and on the peninsula and in all of Ottawa County and beyond if, if, if God chose to write a letter to the chapel, what would it say? And could he say, man, I see and I hear from everybody around the region of your faith and your loving deeds. You're living it out. People of integrity, people that care. people. And you know, the, the incredible thing is I see so much of this happening. I love to see our church in action. I love to see the things that happen behind the scenes and beyond Sundays when you guys are, are living out your faith at your school, in your workplace, with one another, showing love, showing care. That's real faith at work. Well, Paul, he, he writes to the Thessalonians and he says, you guys have become examples. You've become role models. And it's because of your faithful work. It's also because of your loving deeds. And then he adds that third one. He says, and the enduring hope that you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. The enduring hope. There was something that stuck out about the Thessalonians and the, the onward hope that they had. Remember, they were being persecuted for their faith. And yet they were driven by their faith. They had a hope that went beyond their current circumstances. See, hope is not just like a religious thing. It's not just a church thing. I believe hope, it's just a human thing. Everybody needs hope, right? When, when, when you've been going through a difficult time, maybe in, in your marriage, or you, you're, it's a difficult time financially, or job loss, or, or it's a difficult time with some of, the, some of the ailments that are going on in your body, or a disease, or a bad outcome, what do you need? You need hope. You need hope that, that something could be different, that something could be better, that this is not it, or that what is involved in the it right now in your life, the pain, the, the sufferings, the sorrow, that somehow it's going to count for something someday. That it's not going to be, that our pain is not going to be wasted. And that's where hope is found. But the problem is we look for hope in so many different things, don't we? I mean, we look for hope in, in relationships. We look for hope in our job. We look for hope in finances. We look for hope in stuff. But I love the way that C.S. Lewis puts it in probably one of the best books ever written, Mere Christianity. He says, most people, if they had really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. He says, there are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they never quite keep their promise.
promise. They share hope, but they don't truly give hope. And we need, I don't know about you, we need something greater, something bigger, something more secure to put our hope in. And Paul says about the Thessalonians, he says where their hope was at the very end of verse 3. He says, because of our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus and their relationship with Jesus and all that he had done for them, that's what created their faith and their work and their loving deeds and their enduring hope. It's all found and centered in a relationship with Jesus. Paul came onto the scene, visited this town where people had not believed in Jesus. Some were very religious, and they believed in the Old Testament, and they believed that there was a Messiah coming, but they didn't believe that Jesus was that Messiah. Some in the, in the town of Thessalonica, man, they were just Greeks and, and pagan and worshiping all kinds of idols. Regardless, he, Paul was unafraid to go in and to share his faith, and it changed them. And as a result, there was an echo of impact, an echo of real faith, of real love, and real hope, upwards, outwards, and onward. I tell you what, I want Jesus to be able to say to me someday, Todd, you lived as an example. And I want Jesus to someday be able to look at us and say, man, chapel, family, there was an echo of impact because of your faith, your love, and where your hope was truly at. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your goodness and your grace. God, thank you for the example of the Thessalonians and May it challenge us, encourage us, and mark our lives. And God, may we also be examples of faith and love and hope to our friends, our classmates, our coworkers, our neighbors, to a world that is looking for those three things that are truly found in a relationship with Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you next week.